Well, here we are. Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you uh, this morning, uh, even though it is online. Um, but as I begin, I just want to first uh, just thank leadership uh, for what they've been doing in terms of leading us through this time. I, I don't know about you, but I felt really uh, led through this time. Um, sort of Andrew's support, Joel's support. Um, this week, I just caught up with Mick um, from a church council, uh, from a leadership perspective, and just encouraging me along uh, this journey as well. For making this happen uh, each week, uh, I just want to honour these, um, our leadership for what they're doing and, and making this happen. Because, um, like I said, I really feel like I'm being led through this time. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, Coralyn and I just spent some time on uh, annual leave. Uh, we were managed to get across uh, to Perth. Uh, we were over there uh, probably chasing some sun uh, for the end of summer and um, unfortunately our holiday was cut a little bit short. We had to come, come home. Uh, it just felt sort of wrong to be holidaying at these times. Um, but well, it was good to be back home. We all tested negative and we're ready to go back to work and into the routine of life. Um, but while we were over there, um, I knew that I was preaching this sermon on uh, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And so in, uh, in my mind, I had been thinking about uh, the idea of light and in particular, the idea of the beauty of light uh, and sunlight in particular. And uh, Perth is amazing with its beaches and sunsets. I think we've got some photos that I took while I was over there of uh, some of the sunsets and some of the sunrises that um, we were able to experience. Um, fortunately, the only uh, corona experience we had with these was of the beer kind, which was good. Um, but um, there was something about my mind as we sit, sat and enjoyed these suns, sun rises or sunsets that we just saw the beauty of them uh, and the beauty of the colours and the reflections and uh, the enjoyment that they bring. And um, as I was thinking about that in preaching about Jesus being the light of the world, um, this theme sort of kept going in my mind. Uh, I think God was laying on, uh, on me to bring uh, to us the church, uh, is in these troubled times, how uh, are we setting aside time to just behold Jesus as the light of life? How are we um, taking time to soak in uh, his, um, his beauty and his glory? Um, and, and, and to a certain sense, uh, also, are we, are we pursuing that? Are we chasing that? Are we looking for uh, those experiences and that uh, intimacy with him? I, um, it, it reminded me of a time back on uh, the farm in Mount Deneed where uh, we would have Decca barbecues. And um, I, one of the memories that I have is that throughout the afternoon, as sort of the barbecue sort of petered out and we went into the afternoon, that we would sort of follow the sun around sort of the backyard or 
area around the house and we'd first start sort of near near the barbecue and then uh, as the sun moved we'd move all our chairs over to the other side and then we'd move over to sort of the big rock there was a big rock that the sun would cap um, flow over and then we would sort of move down to this lower section and there was something about sort of pursuing and chasing the sun uh, its warmth um, I don't know something about life that comes through it it's it's glow and as it started to go down the beauty that was there as well and so as we look at this passage this morning um, I wonder whether you can start to think about what does it look like for you to follow the sun and that sun I mean S-O-N the son of Jesus or how are you um, pursuing him or seeking him or beholding him uh, where uh, in your life and even in these times are you chasing him or following him to um, allow time for him to soak into your life how uh, are you orienting your life to capture uh, his beauty and his truth um, taking in his, his warmth and his life-giving um, spirit to enable us to get through these times. So uh, as we've talked about, we're looking at uh, the I Am series. We're looking at the seven statements in the book of John uh, that he records about Jesus saying uh, last week, Joel uh, brought to us uh, Jesus saying that he was the bread of life. Um, and um, this week we're going to look at Jesus saying, uh, I am the light of the world. And as uh, Joel alluded to last week, uh, in the book of John, uh, we have this sort of big theme that John's exploring and, and teaching on in his book about um, who is Jesus. Uh, all the people in his book are, are trying to work out who Jesus is and uh, whether they believe Jesus for who he is and um, whether they are coming into the understanding of life eternal with Jesus. And so as we uh, look at this passage again, encouraging you to ask that question and look to God and ask his spirit um, to answer you in, that, in saying, when you ask the question, who is Jesus? And maybe again this morning you can ask that. Who is Jesus? What is he to me? How has he changed my life? What does it mean for me to get to spend eternity with him? Uh, the text that we're going to look at this morning is John 8, uh, chapter, uh, sorry, John 8, verse 12. Um, and that says... When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but instead will have the light of life. And so this idea of light uh, is a big Bible theme. It sort of covers all the pages of the Bible if you start to look for it. Uh, and in particular, uh, the contrast of light and darkness uh, is um, referred to a lot through the pages of Scripture. Um, seeing and blindness, 
uh, is sort of a big theme. It comes up through John a lot, but we see it in uh, other books in the Bible as well. Uh, we get this idea that we have eyes that have been designed to uh, see this light and to take in this light. Um, and at the same time, so spiritually speaking, we have souls that are designed uh, to take in uh, the light of the sun and to uh, understand who he is and to behold uh, his beauty. So um, we have it particularly the, the idea of light that starts from the first pages of scripture and has continued on to the, the last pages of scripture. And uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know Genesis 1, uh, where it begins with uh, the earth being formless and dark. And uh, the first, some of the first words that God says is, let there be light. And he brings light into the world. And as the creation story unfolds, he, he puts uh, a sun to uh, look after the day and a, a moon to look after the night. And um, this idea of uh, the daily rhythm of morning and evening, of this, uh, the coming of light over darkness, uh, is a theme that sort of is picked up through scripture and this idea of morning and evening, seeking God, um, beholding him, meeting with him uh, is something that's followed through. Uh, also, we get to the end of the book and Revelation 22 also picks up on this theme of light. And here uh, it's Jesus has returned and there is the new heaven and the new earth. And in this new earth, with God and his people, uh, there is no more darkness and there is only light. And that light doesn't now come from a sun or a moon. It comes from the sun. It comes from the Lamb of God. It comes from God. It is God's glory uh, that is now lighting the new earth. And the people um, on the new earth are enjoying that and beholding its glory and worshipping uh, the source of that light. And so um, with those sorts of big uh, themes in our mind, I want us to uh, look at this passage, which our uh, text is from this morning, and use that to uh, help us to explore um, this idea of what Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world. And I pretty well just used the text to shape three points for this message uh, and the three phases, phrases in this uh, text that Jesus says, first, I am the light of the world. Uh, and then we're going to look at whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And then the third one is um, will have the light of life. Or those who follow Jesus instead of darkness, they will have the light of life. And we'll use those um, three phrases to help us to think and ponder about what it means for me to say, or for us to say, Jesus, you are uh, the light of my life. Um, but it's an interesting uh, verse, and uh, one of the things which uh, I had asked you to do, and we had asked you to do, uh, was to spend a bit of time leading up to this message, looking at the context of this verse of uh, John chapter 7 and chapter 8 and chapter 9, uh, because this verse um, sort of pop is popped into the middle of a whole context 
of what's happening with Jesus and the people around him. And so I haven't particularly got a, a Bible reading that we're doing this morning, but I'm encouraging you now to have your Bibles with you because I'm going to flick through those uh, three chapters for us to get a context of um, what this verse or where this verse um, was first spoken. So if you've got your Bibles, you can flick to John uh, chapter 7 and um, where this physically starts to happen is in verse 14 of John chapter 7 where uh, Jesus uh, has come to Jerusalem to the temple uh, for the Feast of Tabernacles and that's uh, a, a feast, one of the feasts, one of the uh, gatherings that the Israelites observed at the temple um, and Jesus is using this time in the temple uh, to bring about some teaching. So you can see in verse 14, um, it's now halfway through the feast, Jesus went up into the temple courts and he began to teach. And the Jews were amazed and they asked, how did this man get such learning without studying? Uh, and there's lots of responses that Jesus brings in there and you can have a read of them and you can flick through them now as I'm speaking. But you get the idea that Jesus is in the temple courts, so it's the outer temple courts where it's not just the priests, it's uh, anyone that can sort of access that area. Um, and Jesus is bringing some teaching into that space. And already first in these first verses, you get the sense that people are trying to understand who Jesus is. Who is this man? Who brings this teaching? He, he hasn't, we haven't seen him studying. Where, where's this uh, learning come from? And right through um, chapter 7 and 8 and 9, as Jesus um, interacts with the Pharisees and the Jews, and it's probably a bit stronger than just an interaction. It's, it's almost an argument. It's, a, it's almost a battle between the Pharisees, the Jews and Jesus about uh, who Jesus is saying he is. And you get the, the sense as you go through that they don't understand who he is. Uh, and as you flick through, you can be flicking through these chapters in chapter 7, they're thinking maybe he's demon-possessed. Uh, they're accusing him of that. And Jesus brings in some, um, uh, some teaching that he says that he has come from his father, uh, that he and his father are one. He uses uh, lots of times this word, I am, referring back to that he is God and was God from the beginning. Uh, and then anytime he sort of alludes to that, they get angry uh, and they generally try to either seize him or, as we'll see later on in chapter 8, they want to stone him, they want to kill him. Um, and they don't like the idea of um, Jesus saying who he is that he is God and that he is the Messiah. But also along the way, as you go through and you can be flicking through, there are those who believe him. They believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, uh, who has come uh, to save the world. Um, and it, but even those that believe still ask him lots of questions around, well, who are you? And uh, if you look over in uh, sort of verses, um, this is chapter 7 still from... 37 through 40, they're sort of saying, well, who is he? Is, is he a prophet or is he a Christ or is he demon-possessed? We're not quite sure who he is. And so they're all trying to work out uh, who he is 
And in particular, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are trying to sort of discredit him. And they're almost saying, prove yourself, or we don't believe uh, that, you are who the, that you are the Christ. And then as we head into chapter 8, we get this random story uh, of the woman caught uh, in adultery. And if you have a look at chapter 8, verse 1, um, Jesus, it says there, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and just remembering that uh, these festivals sort of went over days, so it may have been that he came and went. And then verse 2, at dawn he reappeared at the temple courts, where the people were gathered around, and he sat down and he began to teach them. So he's teaching them again. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand uh, before the group. And you can have a flick through there. Many of you are probably familiar with the story. Um, that they try and trap Jesus. Oh, we'll bring this woman in, and we'll, that, this will trip him up, and this will prove that he's not who he says he is. Um, and Jesus almost doesn't really even engage with them, or he, in some ways he uses a bit of a teaching tool. Um, and if you remember what he says there, he says, if any of you are without sin, let, them, let you be uh, the first to cast a stone. Um, and one by one they disappear, and to the point where no one's left. And then Jesus looks up at the woman and he says, where, where have they all gone? Is no one condemning you? And she says, no one. And then he says, well, then I don't condemn you either. And he says, now go and leave your life of sin. And that's it. We don't know how she responds to that. Uh, Jesus doesn't refer to that anymore. There's no reference to it. It's just put there. Then we have uh, verse 12, which is the verse of our text, where uh, Jesus speaks and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but, I'll have the light, but will have the light of life. And so as he says that verse, you would be expecting him to do what he did with his last I am statement, uh, which Joel talked about in chapter 6. If you have a look back there, um, he says, I'm the bread of life. And then he explains it. He explains how he is the bread of life. And he gives them a bit of a lesson on that. Here, there is no reference to it for the rest of the chapter. He doesn't even refer to light and darkness or anything. Uh, and so when we look at this um, teaching from John, we're remembering that John um, is taking uh, the stories of Jesus' life, Jesus' life and history, and he's presenting them with a theological message. So he's putting, uh, he's recorded these uh, writings and these stories in a way that's teaching a theological message. And if you're wondering what theology means, theology is how we understand God, how we get to know God. And so uh, John has orchestrated these passages to get us to think about um, how do we get to know God? And so um, and then after this verse, he goes back into verse 13, um, the battle with the Pharisees. So verse 13, the Pharisees challenge him. They say, here you are appearing as your own witness. We don't believe you just because of your testimony. 
Um, and then Jesus reminds them again, well, I'm not just bringing my testimony, I'm bringing it from my father. Uh, and my father and I are one and um, he testifies to me, but I also testify to him. Um, and then uh, they want to say, well, who is this father? Where is this father? Jesus answers them um, seemingly sort of mysteriously, but also you can sort of get the understanding of what he's trying to teach them. But they just don't see it. They can't see who Jesus is. If you look at 8 verse 25, well, they, it's pretty plain. Who are you? They're saying. Uh, and Jesus says, well, I am who I have claimed all along. I am the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, uh, who has come to uh, save the world and to restore the world. And then if you flick over to uh, chapter 8, verse 28, uh, Jesus says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one who I claim to be, that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what my Father has taught me. And the one who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I will always do what pleases him. Some people heard that, as you can see, and responded in faith. They believed him. And it wasn't probably until later that many people remembered Jesus' teaching, saw what happened through Jesus' death and resurrection, and came to believe him as to who he was. The Jews at this time were sort of in this wrestle of sort of believing him, but then sort of coming back to the Jewish traditions and you can see through the rest of the chapter, they're wrestling with, well, where does Abraham fit into it? Abraham's our father. Um, and Jesus sort of interacts with them there. They continue, if you look through the chapter, to think that Jesus is from the devil and from Satan. Um, and Jesus keeps sort of answering them and reflecting uh, who he is there. You get to the end of chapter 8 and they're ready to kill him. Uh, chapter 8, verse 59 uh, they pick up stones and maybe it's the stones that they've dropped from wanting to uh, stone the adulterer, but now they're wanting to stone Jesus and he slips out of the temple grounds. And then we get into chapter 9 and chapter 9 uh, is the story of the blind man that Jesus heals and Jesus uses uh, that healing as a bit of a teaching tool for his disciples but also for the Pharisees um, about um, seeing. And if you think of the link between light uh, and seeing and believing, uh, I think John's sort of playing on that a bit here. And then we get to the end of chapter 9, and to a certain point he sort of has summed up the last three chapters in, this, um, in these last few verses in chapter 9, where the blind man comes back to Jesus, he has a conversation with him, um, and then, Jesus, and then the blind man replies this way in verse 38. The man said, Lord, I believe. And then he worshipped him. And this is sort of John's big theme that's coming through, that he's presenting Jesus for who he is and asking people to respond in belief, in faith, and saying, yes, Jesus, you are who you say you are. And I will worship you. I'll give you my life and serve you uh, because I believe who you say you are. And so as we uh, look at 
this statement of Jesus saying that I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. It brings uh, a bit more richness and understanding if we understand the context. Because what John is doing and the writers here are doing are contrasting this statement of light with people who are in darkness. Uh, and so you actually have two people who are in darkness. You have um, the woman that's caught in adultery, living in the darkness of sin. And then you have the Jews and the Pharisees who are refusing to believe Jesus, living in the darkness of not believing, of the darkness of unbelief. And John sort of contrasting them to, the two together to help us to think about uh, what's our response to Jesus' statement of him being the light of the world. And what I find uh, is interesting uh, in this context, it's almost as if Jesus um, and John almost fob off the idea of um, the darkness of sin. And it's like this woman is presented with the darkness of this sin, and he almost just says, well, I don't condemn you. And then doesn't get on with her so much, allows her to respond to that, however she did, but then gets back to those who are still choosing not to believe him. And he says the bigger darkness is unbelief, not believing who I am. And I think this one is sort of slotted in because often the Pharisees, and I think we do it too, is go after the moral stuff or the moral behaviours as opposed to uh, our faith or our worldview and how that affects the way that we live. That sin here gets dealt with through what Jesus did at Easter. And it's not really the big issue if you believe who Jesus is. If you believe who Jesus is and what he did on the cross, uh, then the darkness of your sin is exploded <laughs> by the light of life. Uh, and I kept having to think about this idea too of when you watch a sunset, uh, sunsets are enriched when you can have some dark clouds around it and you get the reflections of light and the, the way that light comes over and above or through the darkness brings a glory and a beauty that's not there when you don't have that. And I think it's a little bit the same with sin, that when God... Uh, and when Jesus deals with our, our darkness and our he explodes that. And there's a, there's a beauty that we can behold that Jesus actually doesn't count our sin against us and that it's actually dealt with. And it's actually not a big issue for him and us now. And I think that's uh, a, a good image to have us think about as we think about um, maybe sort of sin in our lives. So I want us, uh, as we sort of, uh, as I said, I want to have those three points and just quickly use those three points from this verse to have us think about how we respond to Jesus' words here of um, him saying that he is the light of the world. And so the first point uh, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Um, and it's good to know here that John is probably... Uh, referring back to and is sort of picking up on the theme that he introduced in um, chapter one. 
um, where in John chapter 1, I think Shane might have referred to it earlier, where it says, talking about John, says, uh, talking about Jesus, um, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And then this next verse, the darkness has not understood it. And that's the sort of theme that we're getting through in these chapters, is the light has come, Jesus is there, and the Jews and the Pharisees are not understanding it. Later on in John chapter 3, as Jesus uh, deals with uh, Nicodemus there, he talks again, the light of the world has come, but the people love darkness instead of light. And then he says, whoever lives in truth comes out into the light so that it may be seen plainly that it has been done, that what has been done has been done through God. And this idea that the light of the world is there and people need to choose to respond to it uh, and this, the darkness of uh, unbelief in that. Because this, what we do with this statement of Jesus being the light of the world and his claim that he is God and um, the Son of God, if we believe that, it changes everything. It changes the way we see everything. It changes the way we perceive everything that's happening in the world. That without Jesus, we can't really see what's going on. And in some ways, that if we make this statement that we believe who Jesus said he was, that he is the Son of God, that he is the saviour of the world, our saviour, it changes the way we interact in this world. We change it. It's, it is uh, our worldview. It's the way we view the world. And that we, when we, uh, he, uh, John refers to it, you actually can't really see what's going on in the world unless you see it through the light of Jesus. And that Jesus uh, has bringing his kingdom to bear in this world of darkness, and even though it is a dark world and a hard world, and we're seeing that at the moment, Jesus says there is, if you look at it through my perspective, if you look at it through understanding who I am, actually I have a, a father who created this world, who's over and above this world, who's still active in this world, who, will, um, who can change things in this world, or can sustain you in the world, and he can bring you peace and hope and joy in the midst of uh, what seems to be a really dark time. And so if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, it views the way that we see the darkness of COVID-19. That we can almost, with Paul, say whether we live or die, it doesn't really matter because there's an eternity at stake. We can actually have confidence that when I'm feeling weak, I have a God who is strong. He's my father, he's my protector, he's my provider, he's Jesus, my brother. Uh, I have his spirit that brings strength and understanding and wisdom and courage that I can't get myself. If Jesus is who he says he is, my sin is not an issue for him. If Jesus is who he says he is, this is the most beautiful thing for us to understand. 
that God so loved us that he sent his son into this world to give us life. Life to the full, he says, and life for eternity. This is a beautiful, brilliant, glorious truth that we can behold. We can soak in. We can seek. We can experience its warmth, its life-giving truth. And Jesus again brings us the question, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And if you do, it changes everything. And he encourages, just as he was encouraging the Pharisees at the time, if you're listening to this and you don't believe it, Jesus continually cries to the Pharisees, turn, repent and believe this truth. See its glory. Understand it and live by it and it will change your life. And then uh, the next phrase that he, uh, he says, he says, whoever follows me uh, will never walk in darkness. And so this idea, if you believe this, then you will reorient your life to follow the sun. And you know, that idea that the sun is S-O-N, not just S-U-N. Uh, and I came across um, this thing as I was reading and researching uh, about sunflowers and that sunflowers are uh, heliotropic. And so heliotropic, and I think we might have some video that goes up, Heliotropic means that they are plants that uh, actually track the sun. And so throughout the day, they move uh, from east to west. And then what they've done is they've uh, followed it overnight, is that overnight they reorient, reorient themselves again to face east for the rising of the sun. And sunflowers have this sort of uh, built-in creative uh, force to orient themselves towards the sun because they know that in that sun um, there is life, there is growth, uh, there is flourishing. And so um, obviously the question is, are we like sunflowers? Are we orienting our lives back to follow Jesus? And you can even think about some of those daily rhythms of morning and night, of following back and in the morning, am I getting up and am I seeking the light of Christ in my life? As the sun goes down, am I sort of thankful for the light of Christ in my life? Do I have these rhythms in my life where I seek him uh, for his life-giving strength? Do I have a repeated uh, pattern of um, repentance and belief? That I believe Jesus for who he is. I turn away from the darkness back into the light and I behold it. Um, I keep using that word and I can't think of any other word. Um, and there is something about beholding which is to sort of soak in beauty, is, is to, to look at and to be in awe of the light that is before us, which so often happens at sunsets or sunrises or uh, if you're into photography, the way that light sort of captures things or enhances things and there's this sense that we just behold its glory and so am I following Jesus in a way that I behold his glory and how do I do that in my life it's one thing that I've been doing um, at the beginning from the beginning of this year of, of in um, reading a number of books about sort of the madness and the pressure of this world and that's just ramped up with 
COVID-19, um, of building rhythms into my life where I just am with God, that I sit with Jesus and I behold him. Uh, I find great ways to do that for me is through music and song, to listen to song, to write into City Alight at the moment. Uh, there's this great song that they sing, which is Holy God, um, and they talk about beholding the Holy God. And I've been thinking about that. I, I walked on the beach in Perth, listening to that on my headphones, seeing the sunrise and beholding the glory of God, aligning myself to the truth. So this was amidst COVID-19 and amidst all the things that was pressuring on our lives. I could reorientate myself to the light of life and feel a new sense of growth and warmth and life to the full as I oriented myself to him. Uh, and there's this sense that we won't walk in darkness because darkness is not our reality anymore. Uh, darkness, um, or, or you can think of that image that light shines best in darkness. We see its glory and its beauty uh, in the midst of uh, darkness. And we can see that in these times, but we can also see it in our own lives. So my encouragement to you this week is to find places where you will follow the sun, that you will find places to soak him in, to understand that truth. Opening the Bible is a great way to do that as well. Um, I've been reading through the Psalms again this year and, uh, and just soaking in the truth of them. Another great way, which I found really helpful, I've got a little accountability group, we've got a WhatsApp group, and we send each other scriptures and just little reflections on those scriptures. And as those truths come to bear, it brings oh, a little bit of hope, a little bit of light, a little bit of joy amidst uh, darkness. Um, I've had a couple of times, and I, I've talked about this before, where my personality can be a bit melancholic, and I've had a couple of days, and Coralyn calls them my dark cloud days, uh, where I've, I've got really depressed and really down and really unmotivated. Um, and the light of Jesus' truth broke into uh, those situations by my wife and by my friends uh, speaking the truth of Jesus into them again and reminding me of the truth of who Jesus is, but also reminding me of the enemy's lies his darkness, if he's drawing me away from the light and uh, the damage that that can have on my life. And to come back into the light of truth and be able to see things again for what they truly are. To see things and the world and the perspective from the light of life who has come into this world and established his rule and reign on this earth and is coming back again where there will be a time there will be no death or darkness. Um, and then the last point is um, that you will have the light of life. So you, those people who follow the sun won't walk in darkness, but instead you will have a light of light within you. And so instead of darkness in you, you have this perspective of eternal life. And I just almost uh, referred to that then. 
You can have a sense of assurance and hope and peace and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness. We can have a supernatural activity through the gifts that God gives us through us into this world that is groping around trying to understand what's this all about? How do I make sense of this? This is dark times. And Jesus says, you have the light of life to be able to bring that to the world, to friends, work colleagues, family, to keep reminding them and displaying to them what the light of life does in our lives. Allowing the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit and gifts as we serve those who are in darkness and struggling and asking the questions of what is this all about? Who's doing this? Uh, We can bring them in uh, an understanding of God being the Father and the Son and the Spirit, uh, the truth of Jesus, particularly at Easter. We have great opportunity to speak about Jesus as the light of the life that has come into the world. That uh, right through the Bible, uh, God, God refers to his people or the people of God being a light in the darkness. That uh, their lives, uh, both individually as an individual person, as a child of God, but also collectively as a community, as a nation or as a church, that you bring the light of life. If you remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, where he says, and he's now talking to believers, he's now talking to those who believe Jesus for who he is, and he says, you are the light of the world. You are, and he says, you are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And that's uh, where we, as God's people, as a church, uh, become a beacon of light and hope because we have Christ in us and his spirit flowing out of us. That people are drawn towards people of light, people of beauty, people of hope, people of joy, people of peace uh, in times that are dark. People who have answers, that we have answers to give to how do we deal with what's going on in the world at the moment. So uh, as we continue to live in these uncertain times, may I encourage you to spend time following the Son, seeking him out, seeking out God and his glory, soaking him in, uh, taking in his truth to, en- to enable you uh, to be like sunflowers, uh, to orient your life, to track him so that you can be that people of light, the people of hope at this time, that you would remember and believe who Jesus is and that his truth would transform us as individuals, but us as a church as well. That if you would live as this is, I often have said this to myself, but said it to many people, um, often it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like uh, that we're living in light and hope. But when I use this phrase, when I, I apply this phrase to my life, live as if it is true. If it is really true that Jesus is who he says he is, that would change the way I live. And it actually, as I begin to do that, I just say, yeah, if I believed this, if that was true, it actually starts to change the way I think, it changes the way I speak, it changes my uh, feelings, and it changes my emotions, and it orients, orients me back to the light of life and the glory that is to behold, 
even in times of darkness and hardship. So church, join with me in orienting our lives towards the sun and knowing him as our light of life. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of life and that you have come into this world and have revealed yourself uh, amidst its darkness, that you have displayed yourself. And particularly as we come to Easter, Lord Jesus, we see the extent of your life, that you were able to give it for us, to pay for our sin, that you showed who you said you were by rising from the dead, that you truly were God, that you truly were the Son of God and that you rose again from the dead and you showed yourself to be who you said you were and that you ascended to heaven and that you sent us your Spirit, reminding us of your presence with us in these last days. So Holy Spirit, come upon us as your church that we may know the truth of your light, of your beauty, of your hope, of your salvation. And may we live as the children of light, children of hope in these dark days. And may your glory be seen through us as your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen.